Good morning again, Orchard Grove. My name's Ken Oldham. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And um, it's been a while since I've been up here with you guys. How have you been? It's, uh, I don't even remember the last time I had the privilege of being able to stand up here and share with all of you. There's been so many different things going on in my life and, uh, you know, working with the students primarily on Sunday mornings right now. And as I'm helping out there, they said, hey, can you preach on November 19th? And I was like, yeah, sure. I think so. I'm in town. And then I started thinking, November, why are we talking about November? And then all of a sudden, it just started hitting me, all these different things that we've got to be able to do in November. And I don't know, do you know what ADD is? <laughs> Attention Deficit Disorder. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make light of that, even though this is a little funny, but I mean, that just feels like my life right now. I do believe that ADD is a, a real thing, that it's a real diagnosis, that psychologically, mentally, you need help to be able to focus on one task at a time sometimes. But I think that it can also be brought on by stress and anxiety and all of these other different things socially within our lives. And that's why I think I've just had this massive case of ADD. Since I was asked to be able to prepare for this service, I started thinking about November, and I was like, man, I've got to get the high school stuff ready, because we're going to have that high school mini camp on the first Sunday night, and then I've got all the middle school lessons that I've got to be able to plan, and if I'm going to be able to do that, I've got to get ready for the tribe meetings that are continuing to happen every week, and not only that, but we've got men's group that's happening this month, and I'm not sure that I'm quite ready to be able to go into men's group, and then after men's group, I've got to be able to do, wait a minute. What about actual work? Where am I supposed to be? I've got an Ann Arbor event that I've got to go to. I've got to work in Lansing multiple days. And am I supposed to be in Brighton or Northville this week? I don't even know. And then I started thinking about, wait, November 19th, that's when Kelly's parents leave. We've got to be able to make sure that we spend time with them before they get out of here and go to Florida for the next several months. But then when thinking about her parents, I started thinking about my mom. Is she ready for us to show up at Thanksgiving? <laughs> And as I think about us showing up at Thanksgiving, how many of us are there going to be? Do, is my son in Philadelphia going to be able to join us at this time or not? Is he off of work or not? Can he come? He can only come until Thanksgiving Day because he has to get back to work on Friday. Well, we'll figure that out. We'll make that work. And my son from Chicago, is he going to be able to come in here and us pick him up and get down to Alabama in time for Thanksgiving or not? And did we get a return trip for him? No. Let's hurry up and get that return trip booked for him. There were all of these different things that were just crashing into my head in my life. A, D, D. And then I started thinking about it as I've listened to other people. I think Thanksgiving has just become the official ADD holiday. <laughs> Where are we going to be this year? What am I going to bring? Do I have to bring tables and chairs? And if I have to bring tables and chairs, how am I going to get the tables and chairs and all of us and the food that I got to bring into the same car to be able to get to the same place? And who else is going to be there? Because we can't have so-and-so sitting next to her again because that last year was a total train wreck. And we can't have that cultural, political conversation ruining everything all over again. And can we just put the men in the room and watching the football game? I don't know, because the advertisements might lead to a political, cultural debate if we allow them to sit there and watch that game. And not only that, but can we... Put a different TV for the young girls who all of a sudden want to watch the football games because there might be a reference of a particular part, pop star, even though her boyfriend isn't playing on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> if this sounds a little bit like what's in your head, in your heart, or household, or is about to happen, 
in your head, heart, or household, then let's just take a moment to heed what God said in Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in the heavens. I will be exalted in all the earth. I like the way Eugene Peterson said it in some way he translated it for our modern world. Step out of the traffic and take a long, loving look at your high God. In fact, can we do a a breathing prayer together today? A breathing prayer is where you slowly exhale the thoughts, the anxieties, the needs, the requests. And then you slowly inhale the hope, the faith, the promise of a present and loving and caring God. And you just kind of exchange those. Can we do that together this morning? So to take a moment to just kind of really exhale, slow. And as you exhale, God, we put all the stress and the anxiety and the busyness in your hands this morning. And slowly inhale and ask God to still our hearts, our heads, our households so that he may be exalted. Amen. You know, so much of this holiday is built around the table. And all the things that we put on it to kind of feed our souls or our bellies, when really we need to be reminded of what Jesus said that Man cannot live on bread alone, as he quoted the Hebrew scriptures in a time where he was stressed and weary. And so I want us to think about some of the things that are a part of our meals, the main course, the sides, the dessert, and let that frame a different way of feeding us today, not only today, but hopefully in the week to come. And so as we think about the main course I think that the main course that we need to really focus on within our lives, the main thing being the main thing at this holiday, is really that opportunity to be grateful. Somehow, somewhere in all of the different hubbub of Thanksgiving, we've lost the main thing, the main course, the gratitude that's supposed to fill us. This last week, Pastor Chris had a a video message for us on gratitude for our continuing small groups. And if you haven't seen that, go to the Orchard Grove page on YouTube and be able to watch him talk about gratitude there. But we've been also talking about gratitude in Kids World this month. And we've been talking about it with our students in the high school first Sunday night and then in each middle school morning that we've been having with them, we've been talking about gratitude. And a couple of weeks ago, when we started the series on gratitude with the students, we looked at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Be grateful in all circumstances. Be thankful in all circumstances. And we started talking about how 
hindsight is 2020, which is a phrase that a lot of young people don't understand or know or, or resonate with. And so I asked, hey, what is hindsight is 2020? And one of the students in the group just gave this perfect textbook definition. He was just like, well, 2020 is when you're kind of got the best possible physical sight. And hindsight is when you're looking backwards and you're removed from the emotions and the stress of the moment. And then all of a sudden, you can kind of see with clarity what was actually going on there was actually for your benefit. And we were like, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what we were going to say. And so... That's it, right? When you kind of look back on your life and we started talking about things that happened to us at the time, they were stressful, they were hurtful, we didn't understand how we were possibly going to be able to get through it. But now we look back with gratitude because of what God had done through that difficulty, through that loss, through that circumstance. We had these kids that um, were terrible <laughs> just rotten kids that lived next to us uh, in our home in Alabama. And um, as they grew and as they matured um, through the years of us bringing them to church, after we were gone and, and serving internationally, they were baptized at church. And one of them said, you know, when we were children, we lost our home to a fire and it burnt down. And we had to move, and we ended up living next to Ken and Kelly, and they started bringing us to this church. And now we're so grateful that we lost our home, because if we'd never lost our home, we never would have found our way in this church. Hindsight, 2020. The psalmist says in Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. See, goodness and mercy aren't always present. They're not always there in the moment. But when we look back, we see how God was adding that into our lives. The challenge with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, about giving thanks in all circumstances, is that it's not just supposed to be backward looking. It's supposed to be present. How do we give thanks in the midst of hurt and hardship and difficulty now? That's the challenge. Matthew Henry was a biblical commentator. He actually lived at the end of the 1600s and the beginning of the 1700s. And his work is still widely respected and used today. His Matthew Henry commentary is still continued to be used. And when he was working on the epistles, those letters in the New Testament, Matthew Henry was robbed and he was challenged where is the good? How do I give thanks for being robbed? And he stopped his work long enough to take some time to really think on that. Where do I give thanks for you in this, God? How, do, how, is, how is this good? And then he came up with a list. First, this is the first time that I've ever been robbed. There are people who've been robbed multiple times. For me, this was just the first time that awful thing has ever had to happen to me, so I can give thanks for that. Two, that though he took my purse, he didn't take my all. I still had a home. I still had a family. I still had clothes. I still had a job. I still had things, even though I lost that purse, which quickly led him to number three, that though he took my purse, he didn't take my life. But then number four, he said, I'm thankful 
that I was the one who was robbed and not the one who was robbing. See, when we practice gratitude, it begins to change our perspective, not only of our circumstance, but also the circumstances of others. It begins to put ourselves in a frame of mind that allows us to bring good into the world in which we live, not just for what we can get out of it, but for what it can offer. We start to see people not as adversaries, but as fellow humans struggling to get by within the world in which we live. And not just trying to get ahead ourselves, but how do I bring others along with me in that journey? Gratitude has that transforming power, and it is the main thing. Not supposed to be something just for us once a year to practice. Not just something once a month, not even weekly, but potentially daily, multiple times a day, giving thanks in all circumstances because this transforms us from the inside out, from our mindsets outward. It transforms us. There is the practice of giving thanks every time you have a meal that ebbs and flows because just because I know within our lives we were just repeating the same things. It wasn't actually a sincere act of thanks. But finding a way to bring gratitude into your life multiple times a day is transformative. And we should seek to find a way to bring that back in sincerely every time we gather. Let's talk about some of these sides Man, I love Thanksgiving because there's always so many different sides. Give me some mashed potatoes and gravy. Give me some green bean casserole. Give me some honey glazed carrots. Give me all of what you got. Stuffing, I want it all. Give it all to me. Man, I love the turkey, but get all the different sides that come with Thanksgiving. That's what I really enjoy too. Because usually I've got one side, maybe two at a meal at a time, but to have a smorgasbord of sides that I can kind of pick from and add to my plate, that's what I'm really after. I'm really searching for those sides. And what I think about with sides is I'm looking for a little side of gentleness in our world today. Gentleness is one of those fruit of the spirits that's in Galatians chapter 5 that we kind of overlook. You know, the fruit of the spirit that go love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and oh yeah, gentleness. It's in there somewhere too. We don't often talk about gentleness very often because it's kind of not a word that we use a lot within our modern English language and interacting with everybody else. But gentleness means to not just touch something gently, but to not be too hard or overly bearing upon someone. It's very closely tied to the idea of mercy, which is also sometimes very hard for us to define. Grace is getting what you don't deserve, getting good that you don't deserve. Our daughter uh, is adopted, and when we received her, we gave her the name Grace, getting this beautiful, amazing daughter that we did not deserve. Mercy is the flip side of that. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve, not getting the bad that you deserve. 
Grace, getting the good that you don't deserve. Mercy, not getting the bad, the negative consequence that you do deserve. And our world needs a whole lot more gentleness and mercy. We are so quick to write off someone, to judge them, to condemn them, to boycott them, and to push them aside into the outskirts or not involved in our lives anymore. And we need to have more mercy within our lives. Several years ago, I put it this way, that grace begins our relationships. We give everybody the benefit of the doubt and when we meet them and we start talking with them and hanging out with them. And then mercy is what keeps us in relationship. After we've learned that they're a little weird, <laughs> after we've picked up that they have this awful habit or this tick or this tendency or they keep using the same phrase even though it doesn't mean what they think it means. All of the different things that annoy us and aggravate us with, about people. Mercy is what keeps us in relationship with them rather than just giving up on them and walking away from them. Mercy keeps us in relationship with one another and our world is in such desperate need of more gentleness and mercy. We need a side of it within our work relationships. We need a side of mercy and gentleness within our home relationships and our extended family relationships. I bet your Thanksgiving table could use a little bit more mercy and gentleness in some of the conversations that have happened over the last several years. We need mercy and gentleness as parents of children. We need mercy and gentleness with our neighbor and the things that are happening within our neighborhoods. It's what keeps us in relationship together. And it's a whole lot easier just to write them off and to try to find the people who are just like us. But you're weird too. <laughs> you're broken too. You have tics and traits and verbiage that none of us all, all like, and sometimes we just don't tell you about it. Thank God for mercy. I know that it's been mercy that has kept my wife in relationship with me and me in relationship with her. And we wouldn't be nearing 30 years of marriage to celebrate if it wasn't for mercy. We could use a side of mercy a lot more within our lives. And then when you think about Thanksgiving, I can't help but think about the desserts. <laughs> I don't know how you grew up. But desserts were not a thing in my household. There wasn't a lot of dessert running around at the dinner table, lunch, or anything else. But when we got to Thanksgiving dinner with the family, and there wasn't just one dessert, but there were multiple desserts, like those sides, man, yes, please, pile them up. And I actually became a dessert expert. I did my 10,000 hours in uh, pastoring in the Deep South where they have carry-in dinners as frequently as they have rain. And I started learning about desserts. There's always a lot of different desserts that could be brought out. And sometimes in the 
moment, you just run down to the store and you pick up a box of cake or cookies or whatever and you bring that in and, that, and that's your dessert. But man, once you start ministering in the deep south, you can't be filling yourself with all those empty calories of things that you can't fa- properly pronounce, okay? And you have no idea well, what else is in it. And so I started really focusing on what I affectionately called the OLDs, old lady desserts. Because those senior sisters, they used real sugar, real butter, real cream, if necessary, lard, and anything else that would make the waistband expand in your mouth water, and it was worth every bite. When I got around to knowing what those were, you can keep your store-bought cookies... You can keep those other different things. And give me a big heaping portion. Oh, yeah. Of golly gee. The dictionary would say, wonder, awe, amazement. As we get into Thanksgiving here within the United States, we're immediately turning our attention toward Christmas and Advent. Some of you have already started playing the music. Some of you started decorating your house after, Thanksgiving, or after um, Halloween. I've heard about some of the decorations at some of your places. (laughs) And apart from the exterior, I want to challenge us in the heart. I want us to have the wonder of a child looking at all of the desserts on the table. Because the more we go through Christmas, the more routine it seems to become sometimes. The story is familiar. The story is old. And we know all the parts, and we know all the characters, and we know all the places, and we've lost all the wonder and the awe and the amazement and the golly gee. I want to challenge us today, from this day, to start praying, God, amaze me with the story of Christmas again. Amaze me with something new that I haven't thought about. Draw my attention and my meditation to something that I haven't given a lot of time to. Help me to see something grander in this story, in this season, that will help transform my faith, my life, my family, my relationship in this world. When the shepherds left the manger, it says that everybody was amazed at what they told them. And I'm missing amazement sometimes in our Christmas services. Not just 
here at Orchard Grove, but around the world, wherever we've been, as people go out, yeah, that was good. It wasn't nothing new. It's kind of like last year. Where's the awe? Where's the amazement? Where's the transformation of God so loved the world that he gave his son that transforms us? That's what I'm looking for this year. That's what I'm hoping for this year. And I think it begins with expectation. We get out of things what we put into things. And I want to put a little bit more expectation into my Christmas this year. And I invite you to do the same with me. God, show us something new. Transform us from the inside out this year.